Let's open our Bibles, please, to the book of Luke, chapter 12. I'm going to pray for the offering, and then I'm going to pray for the reading of God's Word here this morning. Luke, chapter 12, and I'm going to start reading at verse 35. So let's go ahead and pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we do come before you, Lord, and we ask you to bless the service here this morning, Lord. We're already blessed, Lord. We're already blessed with the worship, the praise, the prayer, the announcement. Father, we want to pray for the offering, Lord God, that you would bless the, the church financially and meet the needs of the church financially. We thank you, Lord God, that throughout this pandemic, the people of God have been loyal and faithful to make sure that their financial contributions have not lacked in any way. And we thank you for their faithfulness. Bless them for that. Bless our offering today. Bless the reading of your word now anoint it and give it life help me father as your servant to just order my thoughts and that my words lord god would be from you in jesus name we pray and everyone said amen very good okay luke chapter 12 starting at verse 35 the bible says this let your waist be girded and your lamps burning and you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. And if he should come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. How many of you are excited that one day Jesus Christ is going to come back? Can you say amen? He's going to return. He's going to take us all out of here. We're going to be with him forever and not have to deal with any more of this drama or madness that we have to deal with here on this earth. You won't have to put up with me anymore. Hallelujah. I won't have to put up with you anymore. Hallelujah. But we won't have to be able to put up with each other in heaven, hopefully with a better attitude. Can you say amen? So we're looking forward to that day. But until that day comes, Jesus says here, keep watch. Make sure that you keep yourself ready. How many of you want to be ready when he comes? Can you say amen? And so this parable or this story that Jesus tells us, is just a reminder of how important it is for us to make sure that we're ready. And let's begin our study this morning by looking at the first five words of verse 35, which says this, let your waist be girded. First, I'd like to look up this word that is called girded. The word girded appears 20 times in the New King James Bible. Every time I share a scripture that uses the word girded, I always like to define what it means because it's not a word that we use commonly in our communication with each other. So I looked up the word girded in the dictionary and it means or defined as this. It says, to put on a belt or to fasten with a belt. Okay? Most of us who wear pants make sure that we also put on a belt. So this morning I made sure, since I was going to be talking about a belt, that I put a belt on so that you could see my belt. I have proof that I have a belt on. Okay? And that belt is really important because we the purpose of that belt is to hold up our 
pants. We want to make sure that our pants don't end up falling down on us. And I think that we would all agree that if we are in a public place and our pants fall down, and don't worry, I'm not going to let my pants fall down for a demonstration here this morning, okay? But if we let our pants fall down in a public place, how many of you would agree that it would be embarrassing? Would you all agree with that? Can you say amen? Okay, because we would be in our underwear or if you're not wearing underwear this morning, you would be naked. Okay, in front of people. Can we see this short clip of some of these people that got caught with their pants falling down? Let's kind of watch this clip. You're not going to see Pastor Jerry with his pants falling down, but you're going to see these people with their pants falling down. Okay. My pants That's enough madness. Okay, very good. You can stop it right there. All right, so I think that we would all agree that it's pretty embarrassing when your pants accidentally or unexpectedly fall down. Now, there are certain times, however, that being nude or naked is not bad. For example, if you're taking a bath or a shower, hopefully all of us take all of our clothes off to take a bath or a shower, or if you're alone in your house, I said alone in your house with all the window blinds shut, hopefully, uh, that's okay. Or if you're married, then it's okay to be seen naked in front of your husband and wife. Unfortunately, even though when we get older, like for example, Julie does not really like to see me naked anymore because I look pregnant to her, okay? But usually when you're married, it's okay to uh, be naked in front of your spouse, but we, if we allow our nakedness to be seen by a person that is not our spouse, it is inappropriate, it is an embarrassment, it is a humiliation, it is wrong. The word nakedness is mentioned 43 times in the New King James Bible, and most of these references warn us about how inappropriate it is to show our Nakedness. Just one example of the many in Genesis chapter 9, starting at verse 20. This is just one of many examples. And Noah began to be a farmer, and he planted a vineyard. Then he drank of the wine and was 
drunk. Now, first of all, just make, I want to make it very clear. It is a sin to get drunk on wine. Okay. So he messed up. Noah totally messed up. Then he drank of the wine and was drunk and became uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders, and went backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned away, and they did not see their father's nakedness. So Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done to him. Then he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants, he shall be to his brethren. I mean, listen, whenever you get drunk, something's always going to happen that you're going to regret and there's going to be problems. But that's a whole nother sermon. I'm going to skip that for right now. That's why going back to this word nakedness, that's why prostitution is an embarrassment and a sin before God. That's why fornication is an embarrassment and a sin before God. That's why adultery is an embarrassment and a sin before God. Because in each of these issues, you are showing your nakedness inappropriately. That's why pornography is an embarrassment and a sin before God. That's why homosexuality or child molestation or incest or other sexual sins are an embarrassment and sin before God. So when the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 12, verse 35, let your waist be girded or make sure your belt is on securely and holding up your pants. I would say that this is something that is very important because you do not want to get caught with your pants down. How many of you would say amen to that? If someone goes into the streets naked, the police will take you to jail and they will also probably send you to a mental institution because they will consider you to be crazy. Why? This is not normal behavior. And may God have mercy on you. If a child sees you naked in public, then you are going to get into some really serious trouble. Well, it's the same thing in terms of our spiritual relationship with God. Not only does Jesus tell us in Luke 12, 35 to gird up our waist, but also the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14, it says this, Stand therefore, having girded, there's that word again, having girded your waist with truth. Okay, Here it defines for us what Jesus is talking about uh, in terms of having girt, being, being girded. It, it, it says here, let your waist be girded with truth. He defines it for us. Here the Holy Spirit tells us that we need to put on the belt of truth and that this belt of truth must be on tightly. We as Christians must make sure that we do not let this belt of truth loosen because if we let it, if we let go of the truth, we lose our belt and the enemy is going to make a fool out of us. We are going to get caught with our pants down. We're going to be left naked in the spirit and this will be an embarrassment to you and I who are the people of God. It will be a humiliation. It, will, it is considered an act of insanity for a Christian to let the truth go. If we let go of the belt of truth, the devil will make a fool out of us with his lies, with his temptations, with his illusions, with his treasures, with his false doctrines, with his false religions, with his false ideas. People of God, Jesus is telling us this parable found in Luke 12, 35, to make sure that our waist is 
girded, to make sure that our belt of truth is on tight, because if not, our pants will fall down and it will be a disaster. Listen, the enemy, his main weapon against you and me is his lies. And he's really good at it. Some of his common lies are God doesn't love you. God doesn't care about you. God doesn't see you. God doesn't, uh, God is uh, ignoring you. Everyone else is important and you're not important. These are just some of the common things that the enemy will pour in. And if we believe it, we're going to get all messed up. How many of you understand what I'm saying? Can you say amen? We got to keep the truth in our hearts and in our minds. How many servants of God have fallen because they let go of the belt of the truth or they listen to the lies of the enemy? How many pastors and ministers and other leaders in the church have tripped and fallen because they let go of the belt of truth? They allowed themselves to be seduced into the devil's lies. Proverbs chapter 25 verse 26 says this. A righteous man who falters before the wicked is like a murky spring and a polluted well. You may not realize this. You may not really understand this. You may not really see this. But people around you that work with you, go to school with you, live close to you, they know that you're a Christian. And they know that you go to church. And they're just waiting, anxiously waiting for you to do something that they can point the finger at you and say, aha, I thought they were a Christian, but look at what they're doing. You guys understand what I'm saying? Can you say amen? That's why God says, you got to keep yourself together. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 1. Dead flies putrefy the perfumer's ointment and cause it to give off a foul odor. So does a little folly to one respected for wisdom and honor. Don't let go of the truth. Don't abandon the truth. No matter what your feelings tell you, no matter what your emotions tell you, not all, not, no matter what your carnal mind is telling you, stick to the truth. Stick to the Word of God. Stay focused on the Word of God. You cannot be guided by people's feelings or attitudes towards you or your own feelings or your own attitudes or your own emotions. We have to be guided and directed and led by the truth of the word of God and not let it go no matter what, church. No matter what. Listen, don't abandon the truth. Don't question the truth. Don't compromise the truth. Joshua chapter 24 verse 14 says this. Now therefore, fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. Stay focused on the Lord. Don't get caught up with people's, uh, what, what people say or think about you or what your emotions say. You stay focused on Jesus. John chapter eight, verse 32. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Everything else leads to bondage. The truth leads to freedom. The second part of verse 35 is also important. It says, and your lamps burning. It says, well, let me read it to you. It says in verse 35, let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. Okay, so what does that mean? And your lamps burning. Jesus is referring here 
and speaking to lamps burning, and we need to go back to the Old Testament in the book of Leviticus chapter 24, starting at verse 1, to understand what he means when he tells us to keep our lamps burning. It says in Leviticus chapter 24, verse 1, it says this, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel that they bring you, bring to you pure oil of pressed olives for the light to make the lamps burn continually. Outside the veil of the testimony in the tabernacle of meeting, Aaron shall be in charge of it from evening until morning before the Lord continually. It shall be a statute forever in your generations. He shall be in charge of the lamps on the pure gold lampstand before the Lord continually. So let's go ahead and see this this visual of the menorah or this lampstand in the temple. Okay? And so, okay, so here's the tabernacle, the Old Testament tabernacle. It was like a tent church. And in here, inside of the tent, you have a number of items. Here is a table of showbread. How many of you know that Jesus is the bread of life? Can you say amen? Okay? Here in this section is the altar of incense, which represents our prayers. Believe me, even though the enemy is trying to tell you that God doesn't hear your prayers, God hears your prayers. Okay. They are very special to him. They are very precious to him. And they are, and he, he hears and he sees all of your tears. The Bible actually says that he holds our tears in a special jar up in heaven. Okay. So here we have the altar and this here is the menorah or the lampstand. Now, Julie and I, when we went to Israel a few years ago, we actually got to see the menorah. This is, it's a pure, solid gold, and it's gigantic. It's probably as big as that cross right here behind me. That's how big it is. So they actually already have the menorah in Israel ready to place into the temple. And again, uh, that's talking about revelation and the, the future of the world. That's a whole nother sermon. But they have the menorah. They have the table of showbread. They have the altar of incense. They have all the items that they need for the new temple that they're eventually going to build one day in Israel. And it's going to happen, church, because the Bible says it's going to happen. Even though the uh, mosque, the uh, Islamic mosque, is in the Temple Mount right now. It doesn't matter. Somehow, some way, there's going to be a new temple there, and there's going to be a menorah in that temple, and the worship is going to start all over again. That's a whole other sermon. I'm not going to go there right now. Okay? So, we saw, or we see what the lampstand looks like. The Bible tells us that only the high priest could take pure olive oil that was in the tabernacle and the temple of God and fill the lampstand. The high priest was the only one that was allowed to do this. And the Bible tells us that it was very important that these lamps stay on all night. The high priest had to make sure that the oil did not run out. The high priest had to make sure that he didn't fall asleep on his watch. The book of Hebrews gives us some insight into how this relates to you and I who are the people of God. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, it says this, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Who is our high priest, church? Jesus, the Son of God. Okay? Let us hold fast our confession. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is our great high priest. And remember, the only one that is allowed to pour oil into the lamps is 
the high priest. And we, the people of God, are the lampstand. Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 14, it says this, You are the light of the world. It's speaking to you and I who are Christians. You and I who are the children of God. And and Jesus says, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. In other words, no matter how hard you try, people are watching you. People are watching you. They got their eye on you. They may not say anything. They may not tell you anything. They may not uh, let you know that they're noticing you, but they are watching you. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Believe it or not, God has you working right where you are on purpose. God has you living right where you are on purpose. God has you doing whatever you do on purpose. Where you go to the supermarket, where you go get your gas, where you, where you get whatever you do, God has you in that place on purpose. And he wants your light to shine. It says this, you are the light of the world. A city is set on a hill, cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus is instructing us to keep our lamps burning. We have to make sure that the light does not go out during the night. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 says this, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Listen, spiritually speaking, the Bible tells us that the world around us is in a dark place. People without Christ are in a dark place. And when you enter that place, wherever it is, you bring light into that dark place. Everyone getting the picture here, can you say amen? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. For you were once darkness. We were once part of that darkness. But now you are the light in the Lord because of Christ in us through the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. First Thessalonians 5, 5. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. First Peter chapter two, verse nine. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. Don't ever allow the enemy to tell you that you are not special, that you are not unique, that you are not loved by God. Here it says you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. Focus on 1 Peter 2.9. When you feel down, when you feel discouraged, when you feel low, when you feel that no one cares, go to 1 Peter 2.9 and remind yourself, I am part of God's chosen generation. I am part of God's royal priesthood. I am part of God's holy nation. I am special to the Lord that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He has rescued us, church. We were on our way to hell. We were blind and dumb and ignorant and naive and lost, and he rescued us, and we need to remember that. 
Listen, church, Jesus tells us that this world that we live in without God is in darkness. We see the evidence of that in the way our culture and in the way our country is flowing right now. We see the evidence. It's in our face. The the world is blind and lost and under the curse of sin. The world is deceived because of the lies of the enemy. The lamps, our lamps, the light of Christ in us as a people of God must stay on and burn brightly throughout the night continually. The only hope that this world has is the light of Christ that is in you, my friend. Jesus tells us in Luke 12, 35, that we must keep our lamps burning. But we need oil. We need oil. Pure olive oil in the Bible. Whenever you see the word oil for the Christian, it represents the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We need God's anointing. We need His oil. We need God's Spirit in order for us to give off the light of Christ. And the only one that can give us the oil that we need is our great high priest and his name is Jesus. He's the only one. That's why when we were worshiping the Lord, his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. We kept singing it over and over and over again. His name is Jesus. He's the only one, church, that can give us that oil. I can't get this pure oil from my spouse. I cannot get this pure oil from my parents. I cannot get this pure oil from my pastors. I cannot get this pure oil from my friends. I cannot get this pure oil from a grocery store. I cannot get this pure oil from drugs or alcohol or perverted sexual pleasure. I cannot get this pure oil from anything that this world has to offer. It is not part of the dimension of the reality of this world that we live it cannot come from anything that this world has to offer or from anything that the devil can offer me the only one that can give me this pure oil this special oil this blessed oil this unique oil this anointed oil this heavenly oil is our great high priest and his name is jesus he's the only one church you can try anything else it's not going to help you He's the only one that can provide us with this oil. This oil comes directly from heaven. And the Bible tells us in Hebrews 4.14 that only our great high priest, Jesus Christ, has passed through the heavens. You can't get it for me because you haven't passed through the heavens. Only Jesus can get it for me because he's the only one that has passed into the heavens from this earth. This oil gives light. This oil gives joy. This oil brings purity. This oil brings forgiveness. This oil brings love. This oil overpowers our emotions and our thinking and and, and our passions and all our carnal, rational uh, compromise. Listen, this oil comes from God and and it provides healing and wisdom and understanding and power and salvation and liberty and freedom. And it comes only from God. You can't give it to me. I can't give it to you. We all have to go to Jesus. Jesus, only Jesus Christ, who is our great high priest, can give us this special oil. 
If you don't have Jesus in your life, you cannot get this oil. It is impossible for you to get this oil. You must be born again. You must be saved. You must be a child of God. You have to go to the cross and the blood washed and cleansed and be blood washed and cleansed and forgiven and have your name written in the book of life. Jesus Christ must be your savior, your Lord and become your best friend. Listen, Buddha can't give you this oil. Krishna can't give you this oil. Any other religion of the world cannot give you this oil, no matter how good it sounds. Only Jesus has this oil. Only Jesus. Listen to what happened to a man that tried to get this oil by trying to pay for it and without Jesus. In the book of Acts, chapter 8, verse 14, it says this. Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, Your money perish with you, because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this your wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. Listen, nothing of this world and nothing that you do or I do can get this oil for us. doesn't matter how rich or how educated or how powerful you may be. The Holy Spirit will humble you. How many of you understand what I'm saying? Listen, I've seen movie stars humbled before God. I've seen rich uh, CEOs humbled before. When you feel the presence of God, it will humble you, my friend. What does the Bible say? Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord because the power of God's Spirit, He will humble you. How do we get this oil? You're getting it right now. You're here in church. Those of you watching online, you have made the sacrifice and you are taking the time to honor the Lord. Not me, but honoring the Lord, honoring the preaching of the word of God. Well, guess what? You're filling your tank with the oil of God. Those of you that were participating in the worship service here this morning, You're filling up with the oil of God. Listen, there's certain things that can only happen when we worship and praise and lift up our hands and cry out to our God. And one of those things that happens is the oil of God begins to fill you. And the oil of God, His Spirit, begins to touch your mind and your heart and takes that pain and that brokenness and begins to comfort and begins to encourage and begins to lift you up and begins to give you a hope and a future and begins to say everything is 
is going to be okay because you're trusting in the Lord. Can you imagine not coming to being depressed and being sad and being tore up and being all all overwhelmed with whatever it is and, 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 and in pain and then not having a place to go to where you can receive some healing and some relief. You just stay stuck in that darkness. But God says, no, I called you out of that darkness. I died on the cross and I gave my blood to pull you out of that darkness. Don't live in that darkness anymore. Don't go back into that darkness. Let the light of God burn bright in your heart. Man, no wonder people are suicidal and wanting to kill themselves. There's no one to lift them up and give them encouragement. Jesus. They need Jesus. We all need, even those of us who are Christians, those of us who have been, that have been walking with God for a long time, we still need to refill our hearts with the oil of God. We still need Jesus. Can you say amen? It doesn't matter how long you've been walking with the Lord. You still need to be encouraged and lifted up and healed of all the brokenness of your heart and your mind and your life. When we humble ourselves to seek our God in prayer, when we hear the word of God. And when we take time to read the word of God, that's why I'm encouraging you as best as I can every morning. Be, when you get up in the morning, spend some time with the Lord every morning. When you get up in the morning, spend some time opening the word of God. It's for your own good. It's for your own benefit. You get oil when you worship God, praise God, and give glory and thanksgiving to God. Instead of complaining, you start saying, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I thank you for this. I thank you for that. I know I got a lot of problems and issues, but Lord, help me to focus on the things that I do have and to be thankful for the things that I do have. In order to receive this oil, we must spend time with God because he is the only one that can give this oil to us. You're not going to get it on social media. I'm letting you know that right now. You may spend hours on social media or on the phone or talking to this one or that one. You're not going to get it. You have to take time to talk to Jesus. And the good news is that our Lord desires to fill us with this special oil to fill us to overflowing so that our light can burn brightly in the darkness. I'm going to conclude this morning. We're going to go on with this message. By the way, I forgot to mention this morning that next Sunday, next Sunday, uh, chaplains Bob and Pat Mercado will be ministering to us on Sunday morning. Okay. So please come on out and join us. Chaplains Bob and Pat Mercado next Sunday morning. So this message, I'm going to continue it the, the following week in a, in a couple of weeks. Right now, we just want to touch on these points. So please invite your friends. They're powerful ministers. And uh, we encourage you to join us next Sunday. But listen, in Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13, Jesus takes time to warn us about what happens when we neglect our responsibility to keep our lamps filled with oil when we allow the oil to begin to run low in our lives and we allow it to run low because we neglect the things of God. We're not going to church 
the way we should. We're not praying the way we should. We're not worshiping or praising God the way we should. We're not seeking the Lord the way we should. And as a result of that, the oil begins to run lower and lower and lower. And God warns us not to let that happen. Listen to what it says in Matthew chapter 25, starting at verse number 1. It says this. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. All of them slumbered. All of them slept. That includes all of us, church. And at midnight a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. You see, the wise virgins could not help the foolish virgins. Why? Because only Jesus was able to give them the oil. The other virgins could not give it to them. It was impossible. I cannot give you the oil. You have to give it, get it from Jesus yourself. You've got to go to him yourself. It says here in verse 9. Well, I'm going to read verse 8 again. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil for your lamps, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you. But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready, and those who were ready. Let me say that again. And those who were ready went in with him to the wedding. And the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord. Open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, Watch, therefore. Stay busy for the Lord. Keep going to church. Keep taking time. Discipline yourself. It's hard. You have to wake up early. Take time to pray. Take time to read the Bible. Take time to come to worship and praise and honor the Lord. Yes, it's discipline and it, it's work and it takes time and it's a sacrifice, but it's part of keeping our watch. It says here, afterwards, verse 11, afterwards the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, do, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. How many of you want to be ready for Jesus? Keep the oil of your lamps full. Stay close to Jesus. Communicate with Jesus. Don't neglect your responsibility to the Lord. You guys with me so far? Can you say amen?